virgin all the way. Oh, and it's a beautiful goal! What a Leicester throw away a two-goal lead on the opening day against Brentford. What in God's name was going on in the last ten minutes on the bench? I'll tell you what, nothing was going on. That's the problem. Anyway, this and plenty more rants on for Fox's sake. Hello and welcome to For Fox Sake. My name is Pete Selby. And Rob, uh, you're on the other end of the phone, or the line, or the studio, whatever. Um, how are you at this precise moment in terms of Leicester? Uh, that's a good question. That's a very open question to begin with. How am I? Uh, I'm all right in terms of Leicester. How are you in terms of Leicester right now? I'm quietly furious uh put it this way rant alert i'm on the long run up today so just just get ready but um should we, should we just do that straight away get it out the way this you know what this is what people have tuned in for for over 200 episodes of pete selby rant take it away my friend what were they doing like what happened in the final half an hour on saturday and i've just been talking to to, to, I've been on a few of the podcasts. I've been at work with Brentford fans who were there, so proper fans kind of thing. I'd, I and you, Rob, uh, we don't mind if a club turns up to the King Power, plays well, gets a result, fine. Okay, football's football. No team deserves to win anything unless they put the effort in on the field, play well, Get the result, fine, no worries. No one automatically has the right to win. But, and and also, when decisions are made off the field in terms of bringing players on, it can backfire spectacularly. You look at last season, a number of times decisions were made late on, which you could look at afterwards and go, well, it cataclysmically went wrong. But then sometimes those decisions are made where you look at and go well actually it wasn't the case we said at the time when Vestergaard came on against West Ham when they scored later it actually wasn't his fault even though he got the blame it was I still think it was the right decision to make but it was just it it were in that era of whatever happened late on whatever decisions were made it went wrong now does that have any indication of what does that relate to what happened on Saturday it has to. It has to. And we'll, we'll we'll talk about that now. I think, first of all, it was a, a huge lack of, of, of just common sense from the touchline. How they only made one change, God knows. To then use fatigue as an excuse. I Listening back to what Rogers said, I think he said it's almost maybe without meaning it. He said it very quickly as a kind of a ready-made stock answer and maybe kind of forgot what kind of happened during the game. It, that's no excuse, but he did say it in a... 
it, it didn't use it as a, one of the main big reasons and then talk about it for the next minute or so. He kind of just slipped it into the middle of a sentence. So I kind of let him off that way, but he still said it to the media. I have no idea what was going on. To take off Dewsbury Hall, last season, Dewsbury Hall, as we know, and, and again, so I've just I've been on a different a couple of different things this morning and you have to kind of talk about things to other supporters. So we all know Dewsbury Hall last season got into the side and he, he generally was taken off progressively later and later throughout games, which you're going to do with a youngish player or someone starting in the Premier League. But Dewsbury Hall is one of the fittest, the fittest player at the club by some distance. We saw that the pre-season last season. Happened again this season. Now, I've got no indication of anything that was in terms of an injury. So you take off your hard-working, industrious midfielder. Okay, fine. Do we have anyone on the bench who can come on and replace him like for like? Yes. But they changed the formation. Not a problem. Bring Dakar on, change the formation. But evidently that did not work. Brentford then come back into the game and were then dominating and looking dangerous. Change it. Change personnel. Change the formation. Bring someone else on. Is there anyone on the bench? You've got Albright and you've got uh, Dennis Pratt. You've got Mendy. You've got these players there. And then not to do that on the first day of the season, on a hot day, with maybe fatigue, you know, the first game of the season, etc. But to not do anything is just bizarre. Did he do that because of what happened last season? Possibly. It's It was just very, very strange. I don't mind if he brought on Pats and Dacker to change the formation. Not a problem. We know what Rodgers is like. It's worked on numerous occasions. You change the formation, you roll the dice, sometimes it works out. But I just find it incredible that that happened. The goal itself was a real mess. The backing off, etc. It lacked that extra someone in midfield to be closing down that bit of energy. The backing off for me... Is, is, a, is a symptom of the back line slightly withering in the heat and under pressure. And the easy option is just to back off, back off, and then have a shot. Oh, bang, goes in the top corner. There you go, or the, or the side netting. It's, it, it, it's poor. It was just poor. But before that, they were fine. They were great for the first hour. But I, it was poor from the players on the field, but it was really poor from the bench. And if they wanted just to kind of ride it out and see it out, well, that's fine. No problem. But surely, if you're going to do that, maybe one or two changes to give a bit of energy into the side in the same formation would have been the option. I'm amazed someone like Vardy, when you got Daka then on the field, that would have been surely an option, really. Take off Vardy to bring a Dennis Pratt on. Anyone in the King Power or, or, or at home everyone would have seen why oh yes i can see that or mendy so you bring vardy off great you've had a good game you bring on a defensive or hard-working midfielder everyone on earth could have seen why but no it wasn't the case so i'm afraid to sum up <laughs> the rant i don't mind if may if changes are made again the vestigar thing last season not a problem with it it obviously didn't work out but I don't blame him at all. But to not do anything at this point of the season, on the first game, with all the options under the sun on the bench, with plenty of subs to use, and then to slip up, that's poor from Rodgers. It really is poor. Mismanagement. Bad from the players in the final quarter of the game, but bad from the bench. Yeah. 
breathe, Pete. Just breathe. There, yeah, there's no doubt in my mind, uh, similar to you there, that, that Brendan Rodgers has been tactically outwitted by Thomas Frank and that has cost Leicester two points. I, I don't think many people could or would disagree with that. If you do, fine. It's my opinion. This is uh, our podcast. This is our opinions. We're not a Rogers bashing podcast. We never have been a manager bashing podcast, really. We are, we're not here to say the sun shines out of everybody's backsides, but we are supporters of Leicester City. And by and large, we do uh, try to offer a reasonably balanced opinion unless Pete goes off on a rant like that. But I think we have to say very clearly that, that for what it's worth, the podcast's stance on this is the fact that the lack of, uh, the lack of intent to change either shape or personnel when Brentford were clearly on top, when Brentford were not just on top because they were had the momentum from the goal, they weren't just on top because they had the more energised players off the bench, they were on top because they changed their shape and they found gaps that got wider and wider in the Leicester team, one because of the shape and then two because of the, the legs and Brendan Rodgers is the man that has the power to identify and change both of those things um, alongside Chris Davis, Colo Torre, whoever else wants to get involved in the conversation. Plenty of footballing brains on the bench that for whatever reason, and it's and it's obviously not something we'll ever find out the answer to, but for whatever reason decided that the one change was sufficient. And yeah, when, when, when you're 2-1 and Brentford are clearly in the ascendancy, and you've clearly been out, out managed really, in in the game still. You've got to be seen to be doing something about it, I think. And you need to get bodies back into the midfield. That and that and that's as simple as that. I can understand why why Daka came on initially, um, just to try and get Leicester a bit more. Uh, I guess get them further up the pitch, but also apply some pressure to Brentford a bit further up the pitch. But when it clearly didn't work, you're absolutely right. You don't take Daka back off, obviously. So Vardy comes out for the good of the team, which he would understand. He'd be frustrated, and uh, and that would be natural because he wants to play every minute. But you bring on, like you say, Dennis Pratt, pop him back in the Jewsby Hall role, put Daka up where Vardy was, and you're back to how you were before. And you've got 10 men behind the ball to defend a lead on the first day of the season. And... You know, if if it didn't happen, if, if the substitutions happened and, and Leicester still conceded a goal, then you could lay less of the blame at the manager's door. You're not going to turn around and say, "Oh, bring in Dennis Pratt on um, to bolster up the midfield," led to us conceding a goal. It's, it, unless he makes an individual error there, uh, in which case that's still not the manager's fault. Um, then then making that change is, is is sensible from from my point of view. But it just didn't happen. That Leicester didn't react to Brentford's changes and that has ultimately cost them two points because for the first hour of the game it was a brilliant start to the season, a perfect start to the season scoring from a set piece uh, making sure that the crowd were onside which we said was um, was 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 a biggie in, in our preview last, last week, the pre-season preview there's a little bit of discontent amongst the supporters because of the lack of transfer activity, that kind of thing and, and Rumours circulating around big players possibly leaving. Best way to get the fans in a good mood, after their free pre-match beer, of course, is to start the first hour of the Premier League like we did, but chucked it all away in the last half an hour. They really did. I think a lot of the criticism last season was because Leicester were 
we're in the game, we're, we're in front, and everything was fine. Controlling the game, they weren't being dominated, and then changes were made late on. And that then changed the scenario, you can see the late goal, and you can pinpoint that. This was a completely different situation. Like you said, they were on top. It needed something to, to be changed from the bench. Your your scenario, exactly right. Bring off Vardy and then, you know, you can bring on Pratt and put him in the Jewsby Hall role, fine. You could have brought on Mendy and put him alongside Ndidi. And it could have been a number of things. And that's the problem because Brentford were on top. So surely you can't sit back and go, do you know what, we're just going to ride this out. No, no, no. You do that when you are in the game and playing well and controlling things like last season and then those changes happen. That That's the frustrating thing. That's the mismanagement for me. I I, I just... I, and I don't understand it. The only other option I can think of, which I absolutely hate, uh, and I don't think it's the case, but I, I'd imagine some people out there may have thought, is was it a bit of a message to the board to say, look, we don't have the quality on the bench, etc., so we're only making one sub in a bit of a we haven't signed anyone in the transfer window look i don't think that's the case but i'd imagine some supporters would have looked at didn't he do that once before with was it was it with george hurst back end of not last season season before and he i think he said something about it and he and he brought him on to kind of make a point really didn't he so he's he's got previous for it got previous for it but i think if that's the case and if it's true which we'll never know and the only people who know would be rogers etc and, and the people on the bench if it is true, then that's mismanagement on a whole different level because that's almost that's throwing away two points uh, knowingly and willingly just to send a message to the board. Crazy. That, that, it, it can't be the case, surely. But who knows? Who knows? It's, it's, it, but it's so frustrating because, again, we were on top. We were playing well. Everything was fine. Very unlucky to hit the post twice, being 2-0 up. I mean, come on. It's um, especially the Fafana one. It, it's that's the frustrating thing. Overall, technically, they deserved it really to get the equaliser. Very good goal, but and a great story from him as well. But uh, what Armati was doing, I have no idea. Backing off, surely you know you've you've got to be sensible about these things. You've got to, and Leicester really do lack that, don't they? They really lack. That's why I've been saying for a while. I'd love, you know, an an older head there. I mean. Vestergaard etc they should have been the players Bertrand obviously it's gone horribly wrong but they really do lack that bit of steel to hold on to games and to see out games and surely a Dewsby Hall and a Pratt are those exact players imagine Dennis Pratt coming on to play alongside Yuri Tillemans and uh, Timothy Castagna the three Belgium lads together I, I, I don't understand it. And I, I don't understand what Leicester are doing with him in particular. No idea. Now, the rumours are that he wants to stay and he's happy to, you know, he's going to fight for his place in the team. I, I couldn't think of a more suitable player and also game scenario for him to come onto the field. If he's not coming on then, when is he? Ever. Unless there's an, an injury. I've got no idea. Absolutely no idea. Bango's the idea that he starts. 
I mean, imagine it. He probably will do this weekend. How or why? I've no idea if he isn't going to come on in that scenario. That's the, the puzzling thing. Every single substitute has their own story behind them. And Mark Albrighton. Well, again, in, in a certain position in the side, maybe you want further back, but the most hard-working player you can ever imagine. Pratt, as I've just talked about. Mendy's slightly different. He's happy to be there and all, all very well and good. Obviously, Hams has gone out on loan now to uh, to Watford. So, it, there we go. I mean, end of the day, we scored a couple of good goals, good free, uh, good corner and a, a header from Castagna, as you, uh, as you said, a bit of a training ground routine and good uh, good corner from, from Madison. And then a cracking second goal, Jewsbury Hall, hopefully... That can spark a, a goal-scoring season from him. Excellent once again. And Leicester dominating, playing well, playing good football. But yeah, it's just so frustrating, which is which is really what it what it's all about. And also, on behalf of the podcast and the people listening right now, we must draw a bit of a line underneath it because we're just always going to be harking back about it, and that's not going to be a good listen for the next say forty odd minutes. Can I go back to one more thing before we do move on? I want to pick up on uh, uh, your thoughts on the starting lineup. Um, I think, from from my point of view, uh, the shape was fine. The shape was good. They proved that in the first hour. It's it was an effective shape with uh, with players that were in 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 the right positions, uh, able to affect the game. Madison essentially, for for large parts of it, had a free role. There was one point where. Indeed, he was strolling through the centre circle with the ball, and Madison just came and robbed it off him to to keep the ball moving. So he he, he dipped in and out of little pockets of space, looked very lively, Madison. I would probably say the only slight surprise on the team sheet, and the reason I'm picking up on this player is because you've just mentioned him, uh, is is the cult hero Daniel Amati. Because we, we know the lack of, or the dip of form, dip in form for Suyuncu last season. And, and lots of people have sort of, highlighted the fact that he and Turkey didn't have a very good Euros last summer uh, and that kind of hangover continued through large parts of last season. But if if I'm Suyuncu and I'm sat on the bench and Daniel Amati, who, God love him, is a squad utility player at best and I'm sitting on the bench when Johnny Evans and Wesley Fafana are starting in a back three with Daniel Amati and I'm Suyuncu, I'm sitting there thinking, right, what have I got to do to get picked here over Amati? There's there's clearly a lack of trust there from Rogers in, in Soyuncu at this stage of his Leicester career, because for me, if you're looking at those five centre back options that we've got, if you count um, uh, Vestergaard, who is obviously up for sale, he's got a for sale sign attached to his head. Whether anybody wants to come and buy him is another matter. But out of those five choices, and you're playing three centre backs, ninety um, odd percent of the time. Although I do appreciate Daniel Amati for what he is, I, I would pick you'd pick Evans in the middle, and Fafana and Suyuncu either side of him because Evans is there. We've, he's proven that he can keep Suyuncu grounded, can keep him in the right place at the right time, uh, and Suyuncu's proven himself that he's got the the physical attributes to to deal with pace, to deal with balls into the channel. Maybe if they beat the wing back, uh, Fafana exactly the same down the other side. I, I just think the balance. Uh, and the the sort of blend of wise heads and and two sort of more I don't want to say rash but more sort of 
front foot defenders like Fafana and Sunchu. I just think that would have been absolutely perfect. And Amati got bullied by Tony for the first goal uh, and backed off of De Silva for the second. I, I think the first goal... Um, should the ball have ever got to Tony in the first place? Probably not. But one one v one defending in the in the Premier League against someone like Ivan Tony, who is a late bloomer and who hasn't been playing in the Premier League for an awfully long time. Um, you've got to want if you're if you're finishing or planning to hoping to finish top six or top eight, you've got to trust that your one of your centre backs can defend that situation one v one, and. Likewise, yes, Amati's legs might have gone and he wasn't the only person in the vicinity of De Silva um, in terms of being able to go and close him down. But I don't want to... I'm not I'm not sing- Well, It sounds like I am singling him out because I'm talking about him and nobody else. But I'm, I'm not saying that he is solely responsible for us losing two points. I just want to get... Well, I've given my thoughts on him, including the starting lineup. What, what, what do you think? Would you have started soon, Chu? It's awkward. I... I... For me, I would I would be fine with the starting lineup purely because of of Ivan Tony. So you can look at that and go right. Who is the best player to play against him? Who if he's going to be up there on his own? And you think, well, if Almati's that guy, if they if they've decided Almati's the guy who can look after him or look after him better than than Soyuncu, then we'll go with that. And I can only imagine that's the case. It was kind of a one-off scenario. I'd imagine Soyuncu will start ahead of him. And I'd imagine Soyuncu will probably start on Saturday. We'll find out. That's that's what I think. I'd, I'd give it a one game. It's probably best suit. Obviously, it maybe wasn't in the end, as you said, for the goals, etc. Um, and also, what you mentioned about the fact that the, the, the build-up to the goal, it, the whole lack of of closing down, the, whole, the, the, the back-off from Leicester again, equates to why wasn't changes made you know if it with personnel rather than just the shape because it was an, the attitude thing and um and yeah very very poor for the final goal but i you know i i, I will wait and see what happens with the arsenal lineup but i'd imagine soyuncu will come back into the side the only other thing it could be is if soyuncu is one of the players who maybe will leave and i think he probably will do uh, and if that's the case, maybe they're giving Amati a run of games to say, "Look, you are you're the guy." Unless we bring someone in, I mentioned on Twitter. Uh, obviously, we know what's happening with Fafana, with the bids being turned down from from Chelsea, left, right, and centre. They'll come back in. I'd imagine he'll go, but it's going to take a monster offer, and eventually they'll pay it because they're paying left, right, and centre for all sorts of players. The new people in charge at Chelsea, as we mentioned last week, so I, I can see the Fana deal going through, and it's going to be for a lot of money. Now, I mentioned on Twitter, I was just caught by surprise. All of a sudden, it popped up that Connor Cody had gone from Wolves to Everton on a season-long loan, and. Well, first of all, that's a great signing for them. But I looked at that and went, well, it's, I know Fafana's not gone yet and the stance is that we're not selling him and fingers crossed he stays. But what a great signing that would have been for Leicester. A, a ready-made England international just from down the road who wants to play well and be in the World Cup squad, leader, great age, you know, and we're talking about a one-year loan and who knows with a view to a permanent, I don't know, but... That player there, that would have been an absolutely ideal signing for Leicester. Absolutely ideal. To fit in at the back. Imagine him alongside Johnny Evans. And if he wants to play in the back three, looking after... I mean, it would have been perfect. A perfect signing. You you couldn't really, for me, looking at 
a player to maybe bring in with a view to then looking at a player over the next 12 months to maybe sign next summer or try and find the next Fafana to bring in possibly and then have the experience. That's, I, I couldn't have thought of a better signing. I'm, I'm amazed he's gone to Everton on loan. And I'm, I'm, uh, I reckon there's quite a few clubs out there who have kind of been caught on the hop and gone, hang on, have we just missed out on a completely blindingly obvious signing here? And yet Everton have gone and got, got him. I, I don't know about your thoughts on that, but I very rarely tweet out from the For Fox 8 Twitter account, at FFSpod, regarding a transfer that I go, oh, that would have been a nice signing, or what about this guy? Because that's you'll be there all day just spouting off your thoughts on Twitter when I spout my thoughts off on the podcast. But I couldn't let that go. I'm amazed. I'd have been more than happy with Connor Cody in a Leicester shirt. I think for all of the reasons that you've stated there, he he would be uh, at this stage of his career and at this stage for Leicester, he would have been an ideal signing. And I think this is the problem with the lack of transfer activity, either in or out, at Leicester this summer. Because we're getting closer and closer towards the end of the month when things start getting hairier. People start panic buying. Um, prices start going up. The right players become less available. And, and and then you find yourself, if you do eventually get one of those world record bids for Fafana, say, and and, uh, and he knocks on Brennan Rogers or, or Top's door and says, look, th- this is going to put a lot of money in your pocket and I, I, I fancy it. Let, let's, let's get it sorted. Then let's say that happens, I don't know, 25th, 26th of August, something like that. Everybody in the world, because it would be a world record transfer, transfer, everybody in the world knows that you're then on the lookout for a centre-back. Prices go up. Um, Premier League rivals wouldn't necessarily move a centre-back to you. And you're reduced to the slim pickings that, that we were when we were looking for a centre-back last time and ended up with um, Yannick Vestergaard. So it's a similar situation with the goalkeeper. I, I think um, just a nod to Danny Ward, I think he did absolutely fine on his, on his what was his uh, home Premier League debut for Leicester, or full Premier League debut, I can't remember which one it was, but basically he's not played a lot of games for Leicester since he's been here. Um, I thought he was pretty commanding. He wasn't afraid to give the defenders a piece of his mind. But if you knew, which I think you probably would have because Schmeichel is the club captain and, he, and, and I would imagine uh, from what he's what he portrays in the media that he's got a lot of respect for the club you would imagine he'd let the club know of his intentions a long long time ago and then we get back to the chat about somebody like Nick Pope that was early business done by Newcastle to to get in um, a, a goalkeeper who was in the top three in England uh, in, in terms of the, the England national team that, that deal's gone Cody's gone and, and maybe Forrest as well with their keeper Henderson. Yeah, Forrest with Dean Henderson, exactly that. They they knew obviously uh, the Samba's situation was more public, and and then they therefore knew. And and Forrest are uh, are in a big period of rebuilding. They needed to because they, they they lost a lot of players, didn't they, on loans and and sort of wanting to leave, etc. But well, I tell you, I tell you what, Rob. I know we'll just quickly sideline, but if they're going to buy Dennis, and if you remember last season, our big fan. Of Dennis, I, I, he scored a brilliant goal against us. Played really well when it was a when it was snowing, wasn't it? At the King Power, I, I think he's a hell of a centre forward, all round centre forward. Look at the goals he scores, left, right, uh, 
and also with his head. I, I think he's a he's a really good centre forward. I'd love Leicester to be in for him. But if they're buying him for twenty odd million and then they're gonna get Gibbs White This can only go so far. If they go down and by the way, know a lot of Forest fans and a lot of people listening will know Forest fans. And they're all very bullish. Everything's fantastic because you're signing all these players, which is great. But I've had a couple now in the last 24 hours start to think the way I'm thinking. And they've gone, if we're relegated, we are bang in trouble. This is a massive gamble that they're currently taking part in in the Premier League. The spending the money that they're on, the, the amount of wages that they're paying for these players. It's difficult to get rid of these players. Look at um, look at Watford for a start with those forward three. It's, um, yeah... There, if they go down, Forest, which is still very likely, as much as obviously rivals, etc., put that to one side, it's very likely that they will, or, you know, they're going to be really, really in trouble. This is a huge gamble. Yeah, and I just want to make it very clear that I am not standing here right now saying Leicester should have signed five, six players, spent, I don't know, hundreds of millions of pounds. I know that those funds aren't there. Uh, I know that that has never really been Leicester's uh, method in the transfer window anyway. And I'm also not saying necessarily that that we I'm desperate for the club to bring anybody in or anybody in particular. But what we are saying is, Schmeichel, big player, gone. All right, Rogers seems to trust Danny Ward, but is he just saying that because he can't afford to bring another keeper in? What we are saying is, it's looking more and more likely that somebody like Fafana or Soyuncu, one or the other, or is going to be moved on. Uh, and therefore, we should have been sort of preempting that and, and looking to do some, some other business. This is the problem when you leave it so late, because, you know, you could agree the Fafana deal, and then it could fall through at the very last minute when you've already signed a centre-back. And that's kind of the sort of the trepidation in the transfer window, if you like. But if if you knew people were interested in Fafana and you knew he'd be thinking about going and you knew what the fee was it just is so frustrating from a fan's point of view but also from a footballing point of view that that it gets dragged out now and I know the season started a week early but it is only a week earlier than normal so it's not like this is like not like this is an unprecedented situation it's just a week earlier so and, and these players will have no pre-season you look at West Ham, for example, just signed that big money striker Skamaka from was it from Sassuolo, not fit enough to start the game. Uh, what, what do you want to sign him for? That's that's going to take a while to to fit in with his teammates, a while to get fit, and and we're in that situation now, Leicester, where we're waiting and waiting and waiting to see if a big player leaves, and then all of a sudden you've got to scrabble around and find a replacement who may or may not be ready to to come straight into the first team for I don't know x amount of weeks or months. It's it's. It's getting a bit scary. It is. And I mean, I'm I'm under no illusion that Leicester will have their transfer targets in place. They will know who they're going to get if player X moves. If Tielemann goes, we're going to go for so-and-so. If Fafana goes, then we're going to go for so-and-so. It, it has to be the case. There was a few few rumours going around about a little bit of um, tension between Rodgers and Rudkin, but you know, we'll, we'll wait and see how that plays out. But... Um, I mean, I'm just looking actually on. Uh, I'm just looking on Instagram at uh, Wesley Fafana's put a picture of himself in the Leicester shirt, pointing to the back to Fafana and that wearing the three. So uh, take take what you like from that. But I I can only imagine that Chelsea are gonna they, they're they're gonna want him. 
they're gonna they're gonna go and go and go, and then Leicester eventually, when it gets to ninety, say or something like that, they're gonna look at it and go, well, we're gonna probably lose him in the summer anyway, so get the money now. It's a, it'd be a huge loss. I'd, I'd love him to stay, but I think it's just got one of those. We'll just it's it's gonna happen, isn't it? Um, and you got you got to hope that the plan's in place. The the, the problem is the signings. Of Vestergaard and Bertrand have been so bad. I mean, unbelievable. Let's let's get it right. Fantastically bad, haven't they? Bertrand's just been injured, and also, do you remember when Bertrand played in that pre-season game against whoever it was? Was it the game against? Was it uh, Villarreal when Fafana broke his leg? It. He was fine, and we were there going, "He's absolutely fine out out there on the wing as a as an attacking fullback." All the experience in, in the world, fully fit, ready to go, just look part of the team, straight in, great signing. And then just forgot how to play football, and then has been injured since. And Vestergaard, experienced international, teammate of Casper, played an awful lot of football in the Premier League. Tall, a bit of height in the team, great, fine. We know his mobility is not great, but Robert Huth had a turning circle of the Art Royal. So it's, you know, it's fine. And then. He turns up and he's as slow as a funeral. It's ridiculous. And he's had a terrible start to his Leicester career. Confidence is completely gone with him and the supporters. And it looks like Rodgers as well. And the best thing for both of them is to leave the football club. But, you know, how that's going to happen, no idea. It's uh, So when we're looking at, right, well, surely they've got transfer targets in place. And the transfer record of the club, I know last season Samare and then and then Daka's obviously been okay and that all been been good really. Before that, we signed some fantastic players, Wesley Fafana for Christ's sake. But the problem is those two signings loom so large over recent memory that can we rely on the club to bring in players who aren't gonna be a complete and utter disaster? That's the problem. They're in a bit of a catch-22 situation, aren't they? Let's get it right. You've got a very good first team. You've got an excellent first team and an excellent bench if the manager decides to turn around and take a look at them. So the case is you lose Fafana, you can then buy a defender for Fafana. You've got the money. If you lose Yuri Tielemans, then obviously then you need to replace Tielemans. Leicester can't go out there or Madison, I suppose you'll throw in as well, even though I think the offer from Newcastle, the more time goes by, what a complete joke of an offer. Um, and of course, the problem is, you can't go out as a football club and buy players before these players are moved on. Leicester can't go and buy a midfielder because they haven't got the money in place. And guess what? If all of a sudden Yuri Tillemans goes, they then will need to find a replacement. They can't sell Madison or buy a player similar to Madison before he's sold because he might not go and then you're lumbered with an extra player that doesn't fit the squad and also the wage bill you can't go out straight away and get a defender like the Connor Cody situation Connor Cody comes in then all of a sudden it's like right who's who's kind of going it's just they're, they're caught aren't they they haven't got the money to spend straight away they need to wait for it to come in but of course for the money to come in players need to go out and at the moment it just looks like we're behind the curve 
off the field and on the field as well. It, it just looks like everything's in slow motion. And I'm not bemoaning the fact that we haven't signed anyone because, again, we've got those scenarios in place with Fafana, with Yuri Tillemans. I'm not even going to mention Madison from now on. It's, it's those two players. So we are in a very horrible place when it comes to those transfers. But it just looks like every time we're reacting to what others are doing or sometimes not. Yeah, that's exactly my stance on it as well. You just wanted Leicester, whether they had any money or not, to to get some outgoings gone a little bit quicker. You know, think about Schmeichel, for example. He must have known that he was wanting to go somewhere. So Leicester could surely look at it and go, right, OK, that's going to free up some money on the wage bill. Even if you think Daddy Ward's the right man. I'm not saying use Casper Schmeichel's wages to bring in another goalkeeper, but that would have freed up on the wage bill an opportunity for probably two very good loan players. And and if you get in and you get those in in, pl- in areas where Leicester needed to strengthen anyway, like on the wing, or you know even if they did get a, a centre back on loan, I don't think anybody would be would have been surprised about that with the anticipated outgoing or outgoings, um, and 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 then knowing that Schmeichel was definitely going to go. You you could then probably just foot the wage bill for a, for a month or two because he's 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 not all of a sudden become a pauper as a top and the and the king power group. I know that they've invested a lot in the club and they need to keep the books balanced. But for a couple of months, you can sustain that wage bill until Schmeichel's gone and the wage bill's off. So I I, I feel I don't know the ins and outs of football transfers at all. I'm just a bloke stood in his loft talking down a microphone to you, Pete. But I feel like things could have been done more proactively. Yeah, it just it mirrors what happened on the bench on Saturday, doesn't it? But a little bit, little bit of a moaning podcast. But I think we've got every right to because, and again, we're we're moaning from a very privileged position in the Premier League, aren't we? But it's going to be difficult with this top six, with the the amount of money and the the, the way teams are are progressing, the likes of Newcastle, etc., for Leicester to be in that place, around sixth, seventh place, which I think they are. That's that's where we are really as a first team. And uh, and who knows, obviously you've got your cup scenarios as well. The the one thing that I thought of though, when Dewsbury Hall was replaced, was the fact that we're not in Europe now. So the excuse of saving players or whatever it doesn't exist this season does it so yeah it, it it's just it's frustrating that's what it is it is frustrating but there we go we need to look forward and we need to look forward to the game against Arsenal we haven't even got to wake it let alone play <laughs> playing in two days time Robbie I'm gonna wake it um that's all right they're playing red we can just carry on in blue oh, that's a good point yeah it's <laughs> it's it's strange, actually. It's the second game of the season. Normally, it's the first game, isn't it, away at Arsenal? Good team, aren't they? they, they I mean, talk about... Hey, uh, Jesus and Zinchenko, you've got two players there. Just Premier League winners, multiple trophies, great age, didn't cost the earth, straight into the first team. Two excellent signings on the back of what is a, a, a decent side, isn't it? Um, tough. Tough game, but I've been saying all, all morning and, and all early part of the afternoon, Leicester score goals against Arsenal. We have Vardy, who's got a great record against Arsenal, and I just think we go there and play our game. We play our game. They're going to create chances. They're going to be dangerous, and hopefully our back five, you'd imagine, will stand firm. 
But we can go there and get something. If Tielemans can put a show on for the club that he might join in the next few weeks, if he can find that pass to release Vardy, if Madison can maybe do something in the form that he's in, who knows, from a dead ball scenario or or maybe just on the field. Again, he's got a point to prove regarding England. you got Vardy up top. It's a shame about Barnes. It's a shame about the update as well because there's been no no timeline now. The timeline of a couple of weeks has now turned into, well, we'll see, which doesn't sound too good. It's a shame he's not in the side because then you would have really looked at it and said, right, you know, hang on, talking about Arsenal with all their players. Well, look at, look at us. We're not too bad. We've got a 100 million defender at the back. Um, I think it's a big game for the goalkeeper because he's still on trial. Let's get it right. He's still on trial, isn't he? Because if this doesn't go right, there's going to be, I mentioned a shopping list as a replacement for Tielemans and a shopping list as a replacement for Fafana. But there's also going to be a contingency plan, surely, in case the goalkeeper fails. If he has a couple of mares and it just, just doesn't work out. I know we've got Everson on the bench, but there will need to be something else, surely, in place. So it's a big game for him. But as much as I think Arsenal are very, very dangerous, and I think that they will score, I just look at Leicester, and I look at the way Tielemans played, who was it was really good, wasn't he, on Saturday? Uh and again, they might be playing for a move away. Who knows? But whilst they're there wearing a blue shirt, probably, because we haven't got an away kit, I can just see Leicester scoring first. Now, whether they hang on to the lead or what happens after that, I can see a Vardy goal here. I can see an early goal for Leicester. And hopefully that just silences the crowd because I think they're going to be right up for it, Arsenal fans. And if you look at what they've been going through going through sounds poor but you look at the Arsenal team of the last five or six years and then you look at what they've got now and the the build-up from Arteta the slow build-up but all of a sudden it's just starting to wind up and they look a good team and I think they've got the got the ability surely to finish in the top four so they're going to be well up for it I just look at Leicester the underdogs now and I look at that and go Vardy first First 20 minutes, Vardy bags, and then it's proper game on. Yeah, first game, first home game for them of the of the Premier League season and a summer in which I would imagine if you're an Arsenal fan, you're feeling more optimistic than if you're a Leicester fan. Uh, mainly because of the, the squad reshaping that has happened at Arsenal that was promised to us at Leicester that hasn't happened. You know, you can't get too, too excited about pre-season results or anything like that it is you know the, the thing that gives you the buzz and the, and the sense of anticipation for the next season is oh what kind of new faces have we got in the team or where's that player going to fit in or you know how are we going to line up and for Leicester there was none of that excitement there was the excitement of having football back of course but yeah the the um the Emirates is going to be is going to be loud it's going to be um full of optimism I think because they put together a decent run of results uh, in patches last season and, and when they're on it they're very very good Arsenal and with players like Jesus and Zinchenko who are used to setting the highest standards probably in, in world football every single day in training and on the and on the pitch uh, in, in the sense of the culture they've come from at Man City 
they not only do they bring the quality, they bring that mindset as well to the team. So they they fit in brilliantly around some of the younger players to set the standard, but also to add quality to the team. And you know, they they could cause they will cause Leicester some problems. But what I did see in the game against Palace is they caused themselves a few problems as well because they insist on playing it out from the back in in pretty much any situation. So it will be interesting to see how Leicester approach it because you would you could state a case for starting two up top because three centre backs are not going to fancy themselves against two centre forwards. Uh, they players like Vardy and Daka, let's say, would definitely be able to sort of cut out a lot of the passing lanes. They'd be able to. Um, force Arsenal mistakes. Gabriel made one, Ramsdale made one against Palace. So it's the kind of game where you need to shut the crowd up and you need to put the frighteners on the defenders. Um, and and my, my, I guess my worry with, with the shape that we played against Brentford is there won't be that many players who can commit to that press. And, and it's mainly because we can't play the the 4-3-3 or the 4-2-3-1 that um, that Rogers seems to like because we haven't got any wingers really at the moment. We've got Mark Brighton and that's it. And that's why one of the reasons why we, we played wing-backs against Brentford because we've got a fair few wing-backs but we're very short in the winger department. So I think Leicester's success is going to come from having players higher up the pitch and winning the ball back from Arsenal because they've got some excellent technicians they will be feeling nice and confident Arteta looks like he's good at galvanizing a group of players they'll have the crowd behind them so make no mistake it's going to be it is going to be a tough game and Leicester need to do whatever is in their power to try and sort of kill any optimism or confidence early doors I think yeah I think they would go with the same same setup with the diamond midfield Maybe a bit more uh, compact, so you have the anchor being Ndidi, Tillemans just to one side slightly, and then Dewsbury Hall just to the other. So, in theory, you'd say more of a um, more of a five-three-two, which you would expect when playing five at the back. So, your back three, you've got your two out wide, Justin, and also Castagna. And then the three in midfield, maybe slightly more alongside each other. And then I'd still have... You obviously you, you you kind of say two up top, you would have Madison more than likely in that kind of free role again, and you can say to him, look, you're the guy who's got to give help to Vardy, so you're further forward than anyone else. But also, you've got the ability then to to go anywhere, to drop deep, to pick up the ball, to you know that that sort of scenario in this game where the midfield three behind him are sat further back, just give him the license to do whatever he wants. You know, you can. You're the guy who's got to be hustling and harrying their defensive midfielders because we want the other three to be in position for that forward pass. Um, that's more than likely to come from Arsenal. So he's got that job. That's the side I can see. Uh, I would replace Armati with Soyuncu. You're going to have lack of, you know, not too much height up top with a Tony. It's a slightly different scenario, and I think Soyuncu would be more suited to this game really with the. I know you're looking at the technical players for Arsenal, but I think Soyuncu rather than Amati for, for me in the back. And then the rest of the side kind of picks itself. That's the way I would go about it. Rather than, 
if you were today to maybe play the two up top, the problem is then who in midfield would you drop out of those three? Uh, Tielemans, Ndidi or Dewsbury Hall? I, I, I wouldn't drop any of those. So uh, instantly, or Madison, for example, y- you wouldn't. You would play all those three. But I think in terms of a diamond formation, you would have the two slightly wider players of a Tielemans and, and a Dewsbury Hall just slightly further back, just hanging on to a player or two. Um, but the rest of the side, I can't see any reason why it wouldn't be exactly the same. And it's going to be it's going to be very difficult. But I'd love to see they got that defender on that sleeve of the the young lad who's got rave reviews. I'd love to see Vardy versus him to see, <laughs> to see all of a sudden he's been you know the 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 golden defender in the Premier League and um, from week one of the Premier League and then game week two it just gets ripped apart by Jamie Vardy watch Vardy put put his studs down the Achilles of Saliba first minute when he's about to try and <laughs> chops inside Vardy gets a booking but Saliba goes missing for the rest of the game yeah uh, that, that'd be ace but uh, yeah we'll see we'll see um, prediction time so that's the, that's the lineup I'm going with and, and that kind of basis especially the midfield and then obviously Soyun Chu at the back uh, I'm, I'm going to say I'm going to go for a draw I'm going to go for 1-1 I'm going to go for Vardy to score first and then I think Arsenal will score I think they've got too much talent really uh, so I'm going to go for a 1-1 draw I'm going for back-to-back four-goal thrillers 2-2 I think I think you're right I, I, the, the, the most optimistic I feel like I can uh, predict is a draw and yeah I think it's got goals in it as well so I'm, I'm going for another 2-2 Excellent. Well, there we go. That's the uh, that's the Arsenal game two two. Um, we won't really go dive into the uh, the FPL. I suppose we we we, we could do Rob. But what did you, uh, he, as he says, changing his mind <laughs> completely in the space of about three seconds? Um, now I had a decent game week actually. I've not look. Where am I in the? There we go. Right. We won't do the top ten because it's it's game week one. But um, I'll just mention Mark G. Dacker the net. He's leading by 10 points after the first week. He's had a hell of a week. Salah is captain. He's got Harlan, Tony, Jewsbury Hall, Martinelli, Ward-Prowse. I mean, this is ridiculous. The amount of goals he's got in his side. And then he had James and Trippier clean sheets, Ramsdale as well. So an amazing week for Mark G. He leads by five. I got 76 points. Really good week. I'm in 21st place. I didn't see where you are, Rob. Well, it looks worse than it is on the first week, doesn't it? Because people are only separated by like one or two points here or there. Um, now, in previous years, this would have been this would be a a, a poor position to be in in the for Fox sake uh, FPL league because in previous years we've been around 160, 170. Uh, thank you to everybody that's joined in because we've got 234 people in the league this year. Have we really? I'm scrolling down trying to find you. Yeah, well, you will find me in. Uh, Hang on, I've lost myself. In 141st position, that's where you'll find me. Um, I got 56 points, which is just one below average, which for me is really not that bad. That's not bad at all. How many have we got? 234, and there's going to be another four. So so I'm essentially slightly lower mid-table because there's still a, almost 100 people below me. Admittedly, there are 140 people above me, but you know we'll, we'll gloss over that. Tell you what, we'll just mention uh, Harvey Porter-Hamilton bottom, by the way, on uh, 25 points. Oh, Sorry. that's brutal. You know, people, you know, people enter this this league in the, in the hope that one day the dulcet tones of Pete Selby will read him out because they're in the top 10 and you've just called him out for being bottom. That is harsh. 
Yeah, I know, but 20, actually, let's go one step further. Right, Alisson in goal. Yeah, Kane is his captain. Matip, Alexander-Arnold, Dino and Perisic. Oh dear, one point across there. Madison, Gomeres, Coutinho, Son, Watkins. Oh dear. Yeah, not great. Not great. It's got Henderson in no, Anyway, um, that's that. I've gone massively, massively top-heavy with mine. In terms of uh, the, the big players, I know reading out FPL teams ain't great, but like I've got my Haaland, I've got the Salah, I've got my De Bruyne, I've got my Alexander Arnold, I've gone with the big names, Cancelo. Yeah, pretty good actually. Not bad. Anyway, I've got five at the back. I'm doing a Leicester. Um, so that's the FPL. Anything else, Rob? Yeah, just a bit of housekeeping. I'm not here next week, so uh, you'll have to either do the podcast without me or skip a week. So apologies to the listeners for either whoever Pete gets on or the fact that it doesn't come out next week. I'm off to Turkey tomorrow. Oh, the land of the Siunchus. The land of the Siunchus, indeed. Whilst you're over there, Agent Rob, um, try and find what find out what happened to Siunchus. I'll try, I'll try and find the boots that he was wearing when he first started at Leicester, shall I? Was the 1920 version of uh, <laughs> of Soyuncu that that season? Was it that season that it was awesome? Uh, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I I, I think the, the lack of a Johnny Evans alongside him, but I I can't see any reason why he can't come back into the side. And um and who knows what could happen? There's a I'll tell you what. There's a nice read. Um, if you go and find Rob Dorset on Sky, Rob Dorset from Sky Sports, uh, who covers the Midlands clubs, covered Leicester for for years. You'd have seen him. Uh, he's wrote uh, an, an interesting column actually about uh, Leicester. Quite a quite a long read about the finances and the the basically what's been happening at the club and all that sort of thing. Uh, essentially, about how it's everything's fine basically, about how much they've spent, how much they've got, and the infrastructure and all that. A lot of it is what we know, because it's kind of a, a piece maybe for other fans. But it's quite a nice read, and it's basically a don't panic type thing. But um, it's frustrating, really, Rob. I think that's probably the word. Um, it's probably going to be the title of the podcast, frustrating. Uh, and annoying. Frustrating and annoying. Not really the start we wanted. If they hung on to a 2-1 win, it would have been great. Three points in the bag. I think most fans know that probably a top four tilt this season is probably out of our reach. Who knows? It is Leicester after all. But surely challenging for a top six. And let's see what happens. Who knows? Maybe the top six are well clear of the rest this season. And we are that kind of seventh, sixth, seventh, that club. If that's the case, then fair play. And then you've got the Cups to look forward to with hopefully a strong team with the lack of Europe. But you can't be thrown away two points at home like that, can we? (laughs) 